airing the Addisons. Well, let me say this, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we've got to be careful and make sure that in everything, man, we are trying to get as close to what the word says as possible. And we got to understand that with that type of wickedness, man, you know, God does not wink at that. That's judgment. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. And you don't have shades of truth. You have truth or you have error. You have fact or you have fiction. And now we go into the thick of it. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio, we appreciate you joining us today. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And Sherry B is over in Studio CC. Um, today, we want to, I, I kind of want to take our time just a little bit, Will okay. agree, and kind of um, walk through a little bit of the discussion because we have some, um, well, we have many scriptural references that we want to make. And the reason for that is because um, we see the world through a biblical lens. That's right. That's our engagement, right? And that's what we're constantly trying to encourage the body of Christ to do. And this becomes incredibly vital when, if you depart from the scriptures and say you're standing on truth, follow me here, you depart Mm -hmm. from the scriptures, but say you're standing on truth, and then the world, as we know, continues to redefine truth, changing it in in, in every generation, right? then you begin to find that what you're standing on is really like shifting sand. You really have no stability. So the word of God becomes the stability for us as we engage the culture, as we live faithfully, um, as we await the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we're doing, right? And so the question for our discussion today is, what if the church keeps quiet? Mm. Like, that's the question for today. Like, just, I mean, just say hypothetically speaking, like, just what if the church just kind of folds in, and says, you know, we really don't have a dog in this hunt. Like, we don't, we don't have a horse in this race. Like, what if we just keep quiet? Well, we know that what happens is that the world steps in to call the shots. In fact, oh, yeah. the world is trying to do that already. Already. Right? Like, the church doesn't even have to keep quiet, okay? Even while we are trying to talk, the world is stepping <laughs> in and trying, trying to call right. the shots. And what do we know about the world when the world calls the shots? We know that they will... And we know that they do get it wrong. Mm-hmm. That's right. We know that, right? <laughs> That's right. So here is what I want to do. And I hope that you'll bear with me. And what I want to do, I'm going to try to today, um, I'm going to try to stick to our script as much as I can because when I go off the rails, usually when the show wraps up, I'm like, oh, man, I didn't even point that out. Like, you know, there's all this information that we have collected. And, uh, and I'm like, I let the spirit Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's, that's always the safeguard, right? That yes. the Lord knows. Okay. He knows. He knows. He knows. So so this is what this is what we want to do. We want to ask this question. What if the church keeps quiet? What if the church keeps quiet? So here is what we know, um, historically speaking, and, and people know how much I value and how much I appreciate church history. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that there is so much for us to learn about the church's existence and how faithful men and women throughout the history of the church have held the line, mm. have held the line, That's right. would not budge, mm-hmm. would not waver. Um, some of the conversations, believe it or not, guys, <laughs> some of the conversations that we are having today are conversations that have already taken place in the history of the church. Mm-hmm. For example, is there any use for modern philosophies in the church? 
Can we work with these philosophies? Do these philosophies work against the church? What's the role that these philosophies play in the church? And believe it or not, believe it or not, very early on, these were the types of discussions that were going on in the church. When you read this history and when you study this and you begin to understand that the Lord has always made a way for his promise to the church to be fulfilled, that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church, mm -hmm. then you're empowered in a way to continue holding the line in your generation, right? You're empowered to stand up and say, man, you know, it wasn't any easier for them. Hmm. We have all. this thought, you know, we're, we're like, yeah, but man, you know, Paul didn't have Twitter. You know what I mean? <laughs> like these people are so mean. They're so mean. It's like, no, he didn't. He didn't have Twitter. Um, there, there was like an arena though. I mean, right. you know, Right. <laughs> and right. and lions and they're mean you know what i mean like yeah. <laughs> so so it's like we have this kind of romantic view that it was always easier in the generation that preceded us right mm -hmm. like it's it's always easier for these people who went before us because they didn't have x to deal with but what i'm telling you is that the lord has equipped you to exist in every generation that you're in you are equipped Amen. to exist in the generation of twitter where Come you on. can be canceled because your wife tweets something out. <laughs> you can be canceled. Your church can be canceled, so to speak, because your pastor likes a certain tweet. Mm. <laughs> okay. We may get to that, right? What I'm saying is this yeah. overall, yeah. you are here in this time on purpose. And I want to tell you something right on down to the city that you've been born in. <laughs> Right. Even your county or like in, in Louisiana, we have parishes in your parish. Right. <laughs> right on down to your parish. God has determined that you should come from and exist in that environment for his express purpose in using you. And I know that people find that hard to believe because, you know, that just makes God too sovereign. Like, is he is he really that sovereign? Like, I mean. <laughs> You know, it's, you know, there's, we have certain limitations to God's sovereignty. We don't, we don't say that, but we live like that, right? But if you read, if you read Paul's account, you read Paul <laughs> taking the message of the cross to the Gentiles, right? You see repeatedly God using every detail of Paul's design. Man. <laughs> Oh, for the man. express purpose of advancing the gospel. Guys, yeah. it's just like when you read it and the Holy Spirit opens your understanding you're like now that's just not an accident and, and it's that's just not an it's accident. crazy because you know it had to be unbeknownst to paul like he didn't know correct you know he didn't have any stake in where he would be born and what city and all and but all that came into play mm -hmm. <laughs> for the advancement of the gospel that's you know, right to set him before <laughs> kings you know like Amen. man it's it's amazing to see it it's it's the sovereignty of god you yep. know, and he's working things out in our lives, different situations, circumstances, getting us. It's like a chess game. He, he's he putting us That's here right. and there. We don't even have a clue a lot of times. Like, why did he bring me here? But then you look back and you're like, oh, I see. Come on, man. God is wise. And, and listen, and let me also say this. When you read the scriptures, guys, we, oh, good grief. We are going to find ourselves living so counterculturally as our culture continues to secularize we are going to feel the difference mm. before now before now we have not really been able to feel the difference because 
we are all kind of good as Americans. We, <laughs> we all kind of have the same values, generally mm. speaking, right? But as the culture continues to rapidly secularize, turn away from God, rebel against God, you are going to feel how peculiar you really are. Mm. Or conversely, <laughs> how peculiar you're not. Yeah. You're going right. to you're going to feel it, right? So let me say this, having having set up to say this, um all throughout scripture you see God's use of privilege in culture to advance the gospel. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. People don't I'm not sorry. People don't like privilege today. <laughs> this this has become and it's come out of nowhere. It's come out of nowhere, right? Yeah. Its root is in critical theory. Critical race theory is not the beginning of the intended collapse of America, right? Critical theory is is not the beginning as we saw it represented in the United States of America. Mm-hmm. It started over in Europe. So but it made its way to America, right? And so this word privilege becomes this thing where we're like if we have any advantage in culture, that is a bad thing. But what do we know about the Lord Jesus Christ? That in following him and in submitting to his holiness and his righteousness, living our lives according to that standard, mm. there is great privilege. Mm. <laughs> Amen. There is great advantage. And let me tell you something. All throughout scripture, you see the use of privilege. So there will be people who will tell you, you have privilege. (laughs) Now, where they get it wrong is that they make the privilege merely or simply superficial, just the color of your skin. Let me tell you this, and I'm getting way far ahead here, but let me just tell you this. Studies have actually shown, and years ago, man, and I'm going to have to bring all the data back up here, right? But years ago, we actually covered this. Black married Families, listen to me, (laughs) black married families, one man, one woman raising their children have greater privilege in this country than white broken families. (laughs) The numbers show this. Okay, the studies show this, that there is greater advantage for family. So, in fact, what becomes the game changer in the United States of America is not skin color. It's not even where you're born in America. It's not region, right? What actually becomes the game changer for people living in America is your family structure. Mm. It is your family structure. Okay, so look, I've already told, (laughs) we, we have these conversations. Look, do you understand? We say to our kids on a regular basis, do you understand that you are at an advantage simply Simply because, one, you have heard the gospel, you have believed it, and you have responded in the affirmative, right? Two, you are being raised in an intact family whereby your parents have made a commitment before God, before God, to honor this covenant. So now you have an advantage. You have privilege (laughs) in culture. So don't let the culture take this word. This is yet another word that they're trying to take and so that you can be embarrassed or you can be shamed by it. Look, we have those of us who are in the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. 
we have the absolute highest privilege that is available to man. Man. The highest privilege that is available to man. It is Christ's privilege. It is Christ's privilege. It's higher than any other privilege. Please understand this. And let me tell you something. The world does not understand this. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step on some religious toes, and that's all right with me. Okay? It's just all right. I am surrounded by too many people who will on Sunday morning sing, we're blessed in the city, right? (laughs) We're blessed when we come and when we go. (laughs) But then they go and they're like, oh, I can't succeed in life. Ah!" Hmm. Same people will say, we got the victory, right? They're like, Mm -hmm. they're they're an overcomer. (laughs) So here here was my admonition. Quit singing those songs because you're lying. (laughs) You don't believe that. Mm -hmm. You believe that there are limitations to the victory that you have in Christ. So I don't want to serve your Christ. (laughs) I don't (laughs) I don't want to serve the God that you serve who is limited by structures (laughs) Mm. and 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 limited by systems. Mm. Do you understand how this is so counterintuitive? Who is this great God? Who is this king of glory (laughs) that you serve? Who doesn't know how to overcome color disparities? Right, favor ain't fair, and all this kind of stuff. That I cannot. Just, but when it comes down to ah, he, they're stopping me from doing this. Like the, the the man, this person, this structure, this system, man, it, it don't it even make sense. It makes no sense. <laughs> and I'm gonna tell you, I have never encountered any opposition that I found difficult for God. I have never encountered any opposition that I found difficult for God, I have encountered opposition. Mm-hmm. I have encountered great opposition. I've been misunderstood. I've been misjudged. All of these things, right? I've been the victim of partiality on display. Okay. But the God that I serve is big enough to not only lead me in how to deal with these instances, but big enough to deal with them also himself. But I'm going to tell you what the problem is. Many of us want God on our terms. Mm. We want him to deal as we deal, right? We're not comfortable with the already and the not yet. (laughs) Well, let me say this. We're comfortable with it as it pertains to salvation, but not anything else. (laughs) We believe that God is mighty to save (laughs) <laughs> mighty to save but but not here in real life mm, come on, that's man. for a time to come i'm so glad that i don't serve your god aaron the addison's american family radio the question today is what if the church keeps quiet we'll take the break and we'll be right back I believe 
believe that. I, I right. believe that today. I, I still believe that. I believe in 21st century America that our God is a mighty fortress, <laughs> a bulwark never failing. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I believe it. All right. Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. <laughs> Guys, I'm not changing. By God's grace. And look, I don't take that lightly. No, I know that's New Orleans. I don't. <laughs> we, we follow up with, yeah, that's no. Uh, it's like, it's the French influence. No? Yes, it is. Um, with a touch of hood. So I don't take that lightly. I don't take that lightly. Right? Like, we're going we're gonna to hold the line in our generation. Are we not even worthy to get close to it? Don't, mm. I mean, don't affiliate yourself. You know, I, I you know, I'm, I'm like, go. Just go. If you want the world solutions... If you want what the world is offering, if you want to accept the world's definitions, then just go. Don't dance between the church and the world. Go out there and go be among them. Don't try to take the best of both worlds because mm. Christianity is hard. It's hard to live as a faithful Christian. Christ calls us to do things that defy our flesh. Come on now. So don't just take the good stuff and the easy stuff and the stuff that you like, the promises. You understand? Press down, shaken together. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Don't just take that stuff. All right. Take it also when it's hard, when you're commanded to love. Take it. Take it then. And if you can't take all of it, you understand that there are non-negotiables in our faith. Amen. You don't just get to call audible and just do what you want. You don't get to do that. And yet that's what we see so many people endeavoring to do. That's what we see so very many people endeavoring to do welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio I'm Miki and I'm Will and a shy Lynn with a mighty fortress so what if the church keeps quiet what if the church keeps quiet then we know that the world will call the shots and they will and they do get it wrong it's been proven over and over again let me just say this um, as we go through this list here I want to talk about some of the things that the world is it would suggest that we have a problem with right um, let me also say this if you use if I if I were to use the world's same logic um, in the discussion that we have about ethnicity and partiality and all of those things, right? I'm accused of hating myself. Mm. I'm accused of hating myself or ignoring what's really going on in the world. Like you just, mm -hmm. you're just ignoring, right? So then the, I would also hate women because I also reject this call to the church acknowledging that it has some sort of me too problem. Remember that? Remember mm -hmm. I was doing that too. So I also hate women. So I hate Black people and women. <laughs> so, I, yeah, I guess you're right. I hate myself. I hate myself. Yeah, that's right. That would be that would be the category that it goes into. This is what this is what happens. This is what happens when you say that what Christ has secured for us is not enough and you start to borrow from the world. Mm -hmm. So when the church retreats from a call to arms, there is a vacuum of truth that is created. There mm -hmm. is a vacuum of truth yeah. that is created and everything tries to fill that vacuum, right? Historically, the church has not waited on the world to catch up. Historically, the church has led. Now, in America, this is difficult for us to understand because we see a lot of our advancements in this country as solely humanistic. Mm. Some of us think that our success has been the result of the pulling up of the bootstraps. Mm. <laughs> so we have missed the opportunity to give glory to God for what he has done in the building up of this country, the securing of this country, right? And even the success that we have enjoyed in this country. So it's difficult for us to take this, what we expect to be a knowledge of God and his sovereignty and apply it to current events because we never glorified him in the first place. Wow. 
It's just been our own pure exceptionalism. Well, who made you exceptional? Who set you apart? Who built you up? It's not just God because I'm superstitious. It's not just God because that's my cultural tradition. It's God because that's a fact. That's right. <laughs> it's God because that's a fact. So the church, and, and why do I say that? I say that because the church has been doing privately what never happened politically. The church has been making gains and the church has been changing culture for hundreds of years, right? Before there was political power on its side or on her side. Let me say it that way. So, for example, and this is in our history, guys. This is in our history. This is who we are. This, look, this, among other things, first and foremost, because I know who Jesus Christ is, I'm not ashamed to be called a Christian, but also because I know how the body of Christ has operated throughout history, I'm also not ashamed to be called a Christian. You don't know your history. People can tell you all kinds of things about who you were and what you've done, and now you're embarrassed. Mm -hmm. You got to know your history. So the church was pro-life before human dignity was even a thing. Come on. While the weak and the sick and the unwanted were unprotected under imperial rule and Roman custom, Christians were retrieving babies and caring for the sick. While slavery and social order was accepted far and wide during the early centuries of the church's existence, the church herself was rejecting it. <laughs> the church herself was rejecting it. Biblical Christianity changed families with teachings on love for wives and respect for husbands. Guys, cultures changed with the proliferation of the gospel. That's right. And how did those cultures change? Because cultures are made up of people, so people changed. As they applied the apostles' doctrine, as they applied the teaching that they were receiving and the gospel began to spread, cultures changed. America is no different. And America will not be immune to the type of change we desire when people receive the true gospel. When people receive the gospel as is laid out in the scriptures. Mm -hmm. Not something that's just passed down hodgepodge of this and that. From your grandmother and your papa. No, it's the gospel that is laid out in the scriptures that changes and transforms lives. Amen. Do you understand when we start talking about the family structure and, and how the family is to operate, how children are to operate, we are talking about foreign concepts being introduced to a culture <laughs> that is like, wait, what? <laughs> I can't just get rid of her? Wait, what? Love her? Isn't she here to just serve me? Respect him? <laughs> what? And it's quite obvious that if learning these concepts were unnecessary, then they would not have been written to the church. Yeah. So here is the question today, among others, right? Does the church have a race problem? Does the church have a race problem. Now let's break this down, okay? Right? Because remember, we're asking ourselves, what if the church keeps quiet? Like, what if the church just says nothing? Okay, so here's a question. Does the church have a race problem? And the reason I'm asking, does the church have a race problem is because the world, watch, okay? I'm going to give you two words here. 
the church has a race problem and the church has an ethnicity problem and not the church. I'm sorry, the world. The world has a race problem. The world has an ethnicity problem. The world has a partiality problem. The world's got a woman problem. The world's got a sex problem. The church has none of these problems. And you're like, well, Miki, how do you say how do you say that? Because what is a problem? What is a problem? A problem by definition has no immediately known solution, right? right. It's something that you're left to kind of figure out. It's a it's a question that needs solving and the answers on, are now. yet unknown. So it implies <laughs> a level of difficulty in acquiring the solution. We don't know. We don't know. It's a problem. Is that true of the church? Nope. So again, <laughs> does the church have a race problem? No. Let me tell you what else we don't have. So we don't have a race problem. We don't have an ethnicity problem. We don't have a sex problem. We don't have a value of women problem. We don't have a family structure problem. We don't have a relationship with authority problem. <laughs> oh, and that's a conversation for current events. We don't have a relationship with one another problem. We don't have a child raising problem. <laughs> We don't have a care for the elderly or the weak among us problem. We don't have a partiality problem. We don't have a divorce problem. <laughs> we don't have a work ethic problem or any other problem that the world has. We don't have those problems. Why? Because if it were a problem, it would imply that there is a hard to come by solution that is as yet undiscovered. Mm. And that just isn't true. The world has problems. So we have a not adhering to the word problem. And, and, and a not knowing it problem. Mm. <laughs> so if, if we're going to say we have problems, it's not <laughs> adhering to the word and it's not knowing it. And so you can put those in whatever order you like. But yes, it comes down to the word of God. The world has real problems that are difficult to answer. And the world has problems and they don't have any solutions for those problems. Mm. So what they want to do is invite you into their misery. Mm. Come with us to you a world have, where there right. are no solutions. Say so you have this problem too. <laughs> you have this problem. Please join in with us in the hopelessness that is a world void of God. And the church, instead of saying, Oh no, we act, no, we don't have those problems. The church is like, okay, yes, yes, we do have a race problem. I confess. The church says, yes, we have a me too problem. What is that? <laughs> That's ridiculous. So, no, we don't have these problems, not for a second. Do we have a race problem? Nope, we don't have a race problem because we understand that there is one race, Acts 17, 26, and he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth. So the world has a race problem. It's a race problem that they created because <laughs> they created multiple races. Right. We don't have this problem. Come on. Y'all, you better look people in the face and say, we don't have a race problem in the church. Because <laughs> what does it imply? It implies that there are different races with which we have to do business. We don't have a race problem. And people say, okay, all right, all right, Mika. I'll give you race. Okay, Mika. But we have an ethnic problem. Oh, but do we? Do we have an ethnic problem? Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 through 29. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. That's the problem. If there's a problem, you don't want to put on Christ. Mm. You want to keep making much of your skin color, whatever it is. 
You want your flesh to, to glory in the presence of God. You want your flesh to glory. You don't want to put on Christ. It's not enough for you to be hidden in Christ. You keep peeking out. <laughs> <laughs> you keep peeking out. You only hide behind Christ when you think it's useful to avoid the wrath of God. But everything else, you want to display your full body. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male or female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus and you are Christ's. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. Amen. We don't have an ethnic problem. We don't have a sex problem. Ephesians chapter five, verse three. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness. Interesting how those two are linked together. <laughs> how sexual immorality is linked to covetousness, wanting something that is not yours. That's amazing. We don't have that problem because the Bible already addresses it. It must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. <laughs> Do we have an authority problem? We don't have an authority problem. Romans chapter 13, verse one. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities for there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. Verse three. And this, this is where it gets, you go to the minor notes because we don't want to hear this. This is madness for rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. That makes us uncomfortable. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. You know, a few years ago when we had this conversation again, it keeps coming up and I'm like, man, once and for all fortified. Like, let's right. just, as the church, let's once and for we all be fortified. We can't keep jolted. I, I can't, we can't time. keep doing this. Yeah. We can't keep doing this. Yeah. All right, we got the answers. The answers are not going to change. The answers are not going to change. We were talking about this years ago. I guess back in 2016, 15, whatever. And talking about law enforcement. And people kept saying, they're supposed to be out there to, pr to protect and to serve. And it's amazing how, you know, in a modern construct, we have defined law enforcement and public officials as our servants. But the Bible says that they're servants of God. They actually have a higher responsibility mm. than just serving us. Now, of course, I mean, that's, you know, that's if you read in the book, that's if you read in the book, if you're not, then, you know, you right. go off the rails. Right. But if you do wrong, be afraid for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Okay. <laughs> so, we, so we don't have an authority problem. The world has an authority problem. And guess what? It's not just an authority problem that is reflected toward law enforcement or toward people and, and governing authorities. Nope. It's also directed toward parents. Now, the church doesn't have this problem. Why? We go to Ephesians 5. 
We understand how children are to respond to their parents. We understand husbands and wives and all of these things, right? We, un we understand how we are to relate to one another and every single institution on the face of the earth. There is not a problem that we're going to encounter where it's vital for us to know how to live and the Bible is silent. Not one problem. Aaron the Addison's American Family Radio will break and we'll be right back. And if it's God that I'm after, I just can't serve two masters. And before something happens, I gotta turn it all around because I know I can't just have my cake and eat it too. Cause it's real easy to stay so on true. the Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and that's Jonathan McReynolds with No Gray. What if the church keeps quiet? What if the church just says nothing and we continue to adopt the world's problems? Because we, we don't have these problems. We don't. Right? We, we have the remedy for what ails the human condition. Right? But then we also know how to grow in holiness. Like, we know what God requires of those of us who profess Christ. We're not left in the dark. We're not, we're not like, okay, great. Yes, Jesus is Lord. I, I believe that. And then, so I guess what I'll do is I'll just live however I think is best. No, no, that's not, that's not what you do. That's <laughs> not what you do. I'm going to tell you how this thing is lived out. We don't have an interpersonal relationship problem. Listen to me, folks. We don't have an interpersonal relationship problem in the church where now we're uncomfortable worshiping around one another. We don't, we don't know. We don't know how to be around one another. We don't know how to love each other. People say, well, Miki, don't you have, I mean, look, if you have diversity in your church, don't, don't you have problems? No, because we make much of Christ. <laughs> we make much of Christ. Before I'm offended in my church over something as superficial as skin and a misunderstanding, I'm offended because just as a person, you just said something that I don't like what you said. I'm going to tell you. Mm. It's, not, it's not your skin. Right? Right. Romans chapter 12, verse 9. Let love be genuine. Mm. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. <laughs> Outdo one another in showing honor. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. This is so countercultural, right? Outdo one another in showing honor? No, I want to be honored. <laughs> I'm not going to trip over you to honor you. You honor me. We love Christ, but we don't desire to look anything like him. Mm. We, oh man. I'm, I'm going to tell you, it's, it's, it's the difference. It's the difference between Orpah and Ruth, guys. It's the difference between Orpah and Ruth. When Naomi is like, look, I don't have any sons. I don't have, I don't have anything for you girls. Okay, what are you going to do? What are you going to, you're going to wait until even at my age I'm married and then I have, you, you got to get out of here. There's no future in this for you. But what does the Bible say? The Bible says, right? The Bible says that Orpah kissed Naomi, but Ruth clung to her. Mm. So there was a type of affection that came from Naomi, but it wasn't en enough to like, to like say, you know, I'm not leaving. <laughs> so we today in 21st century America, we have like a type of affection for Christ. We, we have a type of affection. Like we really like him. 
and we love him a lot too. But man, if if it's if it's like if it seems like right now in the natural, like right now it's a dead end. It's like uh, I don't know if I'm willing to cling to you in this time. I don't know. But I'm saying true followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are clinging to him. He is our exceedingly great reward. We are clinging to him. We're not just kissing his face, right? A lot of us do that on Sunday and we feel good about ourselves because we just had a great service. We've kissed the face of Jesus and we like him so much. But when the rubber meets the road, and people are yelling at you and, and they're saying mean things to they're you on Twitter and you. Facebook. They're trying to cancel you. <laughs> then you're like, okay, all right, yeah, you know what? You know what, Naomi? You're right. <laughs> you're right. There's no future in this for me. We got, okay, okay. <laughs> let me move on. Let me say, let me say this. We, we don't have an interpersonal problem in the body of Christ. Jesus has told us how to deal with one another, how to relate to one another how to be long-suffering, and how to be forbearing. He's already told us how to do this. Mm -hmm. It's in the Bible. You can't just be enamored by it. It's got to be your life. You got to live it. And it's hard. It hurts. It hurts. Sometimes it hurts, right? But, I mean, that's, that's kind of, that's where your metal is made. That's where you get, that's where you're tested. We don't have a family structure problem. The world has a family structure problem where women are fighting to take the lead. And let me let me just say something. Man, okay, I'm about to I'm going to put it. Okay. I am so sick and tired of this idea that to be a woman who submits to her husband, you have to be weak and without opinion. Well, anyone could do that. <laughs> right? No, but what the Bible commands is for us to do that which is not easy or innate in mm, us. It's true. So look, it's not because I'm, <laughs> yeah, I got opinions. I know you know that. You know I got opinions. <laughs> but what is my choice? My choice is to submit to Will's leadership. He doesn't force me to do that. I, I talk to women who are like, you know, I mean, you know, man, <laughs> if your husband's got to strong arm you into submission, you don't love Jesus. Mm. You don't love Jesus. If, if, if you manipulate and try to control and try to usurp the authority of your husband, you don't love Jesus. This is not about, oh, I couldn't be her. You see, she just lets him tell her whatever he wants. And I mean, and I hear these kinds of things all the time. What in the world is a strong black woman? What does that mean? What does that mean? That means that my life is necessarily submitted to the lordship of Jesus Christ. We know what the Bible teaches about submission mm -hmm. and about authority and about headship. And that's not oppressive. Man, I'm blessed because Will leads our family. Man, there's so much that I'm not built to carry. I don't care how many opinions I have. There's so much that really Will's shoulders are designed to carry. And I would miss out on all of that if I take the world's problems that mm -hmm. I'm oppressed that I need, to, I need to be the leader. I need to be in charge. That's not a problem the church has. Jesus Christ has already laid out for you the best type of environment for you to exist in and for your children to exist Amen. in. My children are happier and healthier because they see biblical submission.
godly submission. This doesn't mean that I walk around, hey, permission to drink, Will. Permission <laughs> to eat. This is ridiculous, man. This means that we talk, we discuss, but you know what? The final decision, truly, man, it's on Will. And let me tell you something. I am rooting for him to win because when he wins, our family wins. There's some wives who are like, well, fine, go ahead. You're the leader. Go ahead and make the decision. Fine, go ahead. I'll just be over here when you fail. Honey, you're going to fail too. That's your family, sweetie. How in the world you sit back and you root for your husband to lose because you want to (laughs) lead? This is like cutting off your own finger and saying you want to hurt someone else. We don't have a family structure problem. And now, let me side, say that. And then the flip side, just real quick. Yes. Is that God has given your wife as a help meet. And you are crazy if you don't <laughs> receive that help because you're so prideful that you feel like you need to do it all by yourself. Hmm. That's all I got to say. That's my- <laughs> <laughs> Hey. That's great. I'm so glad that you chimed in to say that because yeah. I know that you because feel it's that a way. tremendous blessing. Yeah. Like, man, and I th- and I know Amen. husbands, if you're if you're real with yourself, you're like, man, <laughs> I need her. Like she is for me and she helps me, you know, to be exactly what I need to be. Amen. And so, yeah. So I, it, it's Glory it's crazy if you try to step on the help that God has given you, you know, that your family may succeed. Amen. Amen. God is wise. Oh, yeah. The structure that he sets up is his wisdom displayed. Amen. And we would do well to submit to that. All of us, husbands and wives and children as well. Amen. Now, let me say this. And I know we're running out of time. There's there's two articles here that I, I wanted to tie into all of this. The conversation today is about systemic racism and why certain people groups are at a disadvantage in this country um, and why there is a lack of success and what keeps one down and all of these things. Mm-hmm. I, w- I want to say something to you. And, and this is my, this is my personal story. This may not be true for anyone else. Although I think I have some statistics on my side to say that it is true. There was no greater threat to my personal success than to have been abandoned by my father. Mm. You understand that there's no white man that did that. All right. There's 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 no one else who was a greater threat to my success, my thriving in America than my father and his decision to leave us. So if now Jesus Christ can overcome that deficit, if Jesus Christ can change my life when that that was nail in the coffin. You know, the statistics say that a black girl growing up in New Orleans without her father, you know what the statistics say? That I should have multiple children for multiple men on multiple government programs. Those children should then grow up and have multiple children from multiple men on multiple government programs. But you know what Jesus Christ does? Jesus Christ changes our trajectories. Here's the amazing thing about what 
what benefits people get when we preach the gospel, right? When we preach the cross and not just responding to the current event, when we preach the gospel, not only do we help these people make a decision that changes their eternity, but man, there is the real probability that it's going to change their here and now. Like, mm. and you say, well, Miki, I mean, how do you say that? Romans 8.32. Romans 8.32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Oh, man, the scriptures just keep getting in the way of my victimhood. <laughs> I want to be a victim so bad, but the scriptures keep telling me that I'm an overcomer. Come on, come oh, on. man, <laughs> I want I want to be a victim. <laughs> but it's just it's just not here for me. So Jesus Christ has changed my life for eternity. And even in the meantime, <laughs> my life is different and my life is better because of making the types of decisions that are consistent with the profession of faith. So delaying gratification, seeking those things which honor the Lord. Mm -hmm. Now, look, I, I am, <laughs> my goodness, I'm blessed in the city and in the field <laughs> when I come and when I go, Fred Hammond, right? <laughs> Guys, the gospel must never, ever take second string. This is what our culture, our culture is saying, yeah, 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 yeah. No, we don't want your gospel. We need you for strength of numbers. We need all of you angry and upset. We need all of you mad, right? We don't want Jesus, though. You leave him under the steeple. But come out here and march with us. You can't bring eternal solutions to this conversation. We're only interested in what we can get right now. That's it. Walter E. Williams wrote a piece for the Daily Signal, and I shared it on my Facebook page. I was reading this, and he was talking about the problems that exist in black, the, the black context, black mm -hmm. America, as he put it. And I don't have time to go into all the details, but I'll put a link to this story in the show notes. And one of the things that he looks at, he says, the bottom line is that today's black Americans have significant political power at all levels of government, Yet what has that meant for a large segment of the black population? Listen to this. He goes into, and, and this is not about politics, but you need to understand that we are in the midst of a political conversation. Because when people start talking about making laws to reflect their rebellion against God, we are in the midst of a political conversation. Walter E. Williams, Democratic-controlled cities have the poorest quality public education despite their large and growing school budgets. Consider Baltimore, Maryland. In 2016, schools, not a single student scored proficient on the state's math exam. In six other high schools, only 1% tested proficient in math. Only 15% of Baltimore students passed the state's English test. In the same year, in Philadelphia, only 19% of eighth graders scored proficient in math. 16%, 16% were proficient in reading. Wow. In Detroit, only 4% of its eighth graders scored proficient in math. 7%. 7% were proficient in reading. You don't have a law enforcement problem. 
You don't have a power in politics problem. You got a family problem. You got a breakdown of family problem. You've got a poor education problem. You've got an inability to delay gratification problem. You've got a rebellion against God problem. Mm. And so what's going to cure that? It's not going to be fewer police officers. It's not going to be more black people in government. It's going to be making much of Jesus Christ and the cross. He changes trajectories. Amen. We're out of time. Until tomorrow, Lord willing. God bless.